Welcome to the Pilot Podcast. Where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week, we're reviewing the newest streaming platform, HBO Max, with shows like Legendary, Looney Tunes Cartoons, and Love Life. So stay tuned to the end to find out which of BJ's great loves of his life I am. The first, the last, the everything. Definitely not the everything. I was just quoting Barry White. Okay, (laughs) so let's start with Legendary. This reality competition show focuses on ballroom, which gave rise to voguing. So think Pose and Paris is Burning. And guiding this competition show is icon Deshaun Wesley as master of ceremonies. And judges include another icon in the scene, Laomi Maldonado, actor Jamila Jamil, rap icon Meg The Stallion, and fashion guru La Roach. Eight teams are competing from well-known houses for $100,000. That's quite the prize. Yes. So, Me Too, what did you think of this setup and the host and judges who were leading us through this competition? I loved Deshaun Wesley as a master of ceremonies. Such a great job bringing home the grounding, the significance of having a reality television show about this subculture that is now being celebrated on such a wide and global scale. And I also liked Laomi Maldonado as a judge because she's an icon in the scene and was the most informed on what they should be giving as performers. She gave the expertise that really helps people like the viewers like me, as well as judges like Jamila, who are new to this and want to learn what is the lingo, what are some of the traditions, what are the expectations for a grand march. And I think La Roach and Meg the Stallion also brought some really good perspectives because they know what it means to have the visuals for a performance and also the stage presence. Meg the Stallion I loved because she was so relaxed. She was comfortable in that chair. (laughs) She was so comfortable. It didn't feel like she was pretending to know more about the culture or setting expectations. She just was commenting on what she saw and if she thought it looked cool or not. And I liked that because she wasn't stretching outside of, I think, where she has agency in a space like that. With La Roach, I loved the fashion advice. Brutal honesty. Yes. I think La Roach is very obviously going for the Simon Cowell role. And I think he did a good job. It was nice to have someone who was comfortable giving a negative critique to the houses. Speaking of the houses, how did you feel about the overall Grand March? I think it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of energy and all the groups really stood out with unique choreography and outfits. And it was interesting to meet each of them in their little introduction bios because I never realized how these houses incorporated aspects of sports teams and Greek life and gangs and families. It's really a blend of all these different aspects. And that was fun to see. I was almost emotional watching because I think that What we're seeing a lot globally is a lot of doubting the humanity of other people. And it was very beautiful to see, especially black and brown, trans and gender nonconforming people be given this stage. And it was really beautiful to have the stories from some of the contestants of how much their biological parents loved them. There was a really beautiful story in the Gucci house. One of the competitors who was a member of that house 
talked about how his mom passed away from cancer and wrote him a note and said that she knew that he was in good hands because of his house father in House Gucci. And then the house father for House Gucci said that he wanted to be a parent like how much he was accepted by his own mom. Yeah. And then there was a trans girl who said that her mom immediately accepted her and that she spent $800, it seems, that they didn't have to make sure that she was the prettiest girl at prom. And she won prom queen. You definitely see a lot of great role models, not just in the contestants, but in the stories of how they had supportive family members. And even the contestants whose families weren't as supportive, you get to see the growth and journey they've been able to go on and how now they're in a happy place. That's always inspirational and heartwarming. Were there any standout performances for you? So my favorite was the House of Gucci. I think they had a story, like a very strong narrative to their performance. And I really liked that aspect because this was all about introducing your house and showing what you're about. Their costumes were sending a statement and I give them props for that. I loved the House of Balmain, not to be confused by Balmain, because they are the main crew there. <laughs> I loved that Matrix theme. I also loved the Lanvan house. They were all dressed in red leather. There were acrobatics, but it also told a story. So it wasn't just showing off what their bodies could do. It fed into a beautiful story that they were telling as well. And what did you think of the choreography? Because what we learned from Laomi is that she was looking for a lot more freestyle than kind of rigid, structured performances. And I have to agree, as a huge K-pop fan, I have high standards for choreography. So I thought they were better off just doing a freestyle. Yes, that was her critique for the Escada house because their choreography was good, but you can tell that they were maybe nervous or not super confident. So they weren't going outside of the one and two and three, just the quick counts versus really feeling the moves. Less personality. I did love when houses that executed this well, they had choreography, but then they had these moments where you could show out a little bit on your own. It wasn't just everyone in formation. You could have an individual take the spotlight and do something fun and unique. Yeah. So, Beach, do you want to watch more episodes of HBO Max's Legendary? I think I'm going to pass on this one. Dancing competitions aren't really for me. But I think this is going to be a great show for people who want to see exciting performances. What about you? And I am that person who wants to see exciting performances. <laughs> I would watch again seriously. I would recommend it to all of our listeners. There was so much talent and it was filled with so much heart. You fall in love with the competitors and you also are blown away by the outfits, the voguing, the presentation. It's beautiful. So how about we go over to something a little more wacky and zany? Okay. Let's head into the revival of the Looney Tunes with Looney Tunes cartoons. So we're seeing our favorite characters like Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Bugs Bunny. We even had Marvin the Martian and Yosemite Sam. What did you think of this physical comedy coming back? I was curious about how physical comedy that I know it on Looney Tunes would work on a show in 2020 when you want more light content. And I forgot that Looney Tunes was as violent as it was. Mm -hmm. The <laughs> physical comedy is very physical. There is an extended scene in this first episode where Porky Pig has to suck poison out of Daffy Duck's leg. 
And it was really visceral. And even before that, Daffy Duck was triggering a bunch of booby traps in the temple. And Porky Pig was just repeatedly abused and trashed and beat up. Let's take a step back. Have we explained what the overall stories are to our listeners? No. So in this first episode, it's split up into two main stories. The first one has Daffy Duck and Porky Pig searching for the treasure of the monkey bird. So they end up going to this hidden temple in a jungle to try and steal a treasure because they want to get rich quick. So we see them as Indiana Jones type characters. And then our second story, which we'll get to, it's Bugs Bunny versus Yosemite Sam in an arm wrestling competition. So that's the physical comedy that made me laugh. I didn't like Bugs Bunny tricking Yosemite Sam into having that dynamite hand that he held onto that blew up. But when Bugs Bunny started tickling Yosemite Sam in order to throw him off his game, Yosemite Sam's laugh made me laugh every time. (laughs) I think they did that joke two or three times and I laughed each time. He had such a cute giggle. So they were successful. That physical comedy worked for me. What about for you? I think, like you, the Bugs Bunny storyline worked better for me than the Porky Pig and Daffy Duck. But I thought it was amusing and I thought it was really clever with a lot of the things that they did. And I wonder how much of that is from the old cartoons that I just don't remember and how much of that is actually new and fresh. I'm sure there are very discerning eyes watching this. People feel very protective over their childhood cartoons, so they probably wouldn't try that. If you and I represent the average viewer... They could bring back almost every single Looney Tunes episode I watched as a child, and I would (laughs) be surprised at the outcome. You haven't filed away all of those storylines just as memory bank for one day I'll need to know what happened in episode 36. I have done that, apparently, for Recess and for Proud Family. (laughs) I have recently, not to bring up another streaming giant, I'm sorry, HBO Max, but I've been watching on Disney+. Plus. Smart guy, I just, I finished it. Recess, I'm not done yet. And Proud Family, I'm not done yet. And especially for Proud Family and Recess, it will feel new to me. And then maybe five or six minutes in, a big scene will trigger my memory. And I remember everything that happens for the rest of the episode. It's been the weirdest thing that it's just in the recesses of my mind. You didn't even know it was there. So who are some of your favorite Looney Tunes characters? So I think my overall favorites weren't even featured yet in this first episode, but I hope to see Roadrunner and Coyote because I always liked how the Coyote had these Acme Company inventions. And so I hope we see some new takes on their storylines. Do you have any favorites in this episode or that weren't featured yet? I actually loved Roadrunner and Coyote as well because I loved how clever that little Roadrunner was. And I liked Tweety Bird and Sylvester. So maybe I just like these chaotic relationships between animals. (laughs) (laughs) You just want to watch one chase the other and get abused in the process? I guess so. Beach, do you want to chase after more episodes of HBO Max's Looney Tunes? I think casually I will chase after a few more. I think this is the perfect type of show to drop in for a quick laugh. Episodes are only about 12 minutes, and it seems like you'll get maybe two to three storylines, and it's just easy entertainment. How do you feel? I agree. If you are an adult like us who likes cartoons and a little bit of that nostalgia, then I think this will be a fun revisit for you. Great. How about we go and visit a New York student 
on the search for love. I think you're talking about HBO Max's Love Life, which is an anthology series that follows a different person each season from their first romance to their last romance. And in this first episode and season, we meet Darby Carter, played by Anna Kendrick. We learn she grew up between her divorced parents' homes, went to New York for college and empty fun, and is now looking for more. Fresh out of college in 2012, she meets Augie Jong, played by Jin Ha, and the relationship goes from fling to serious. But we also learn in this first episode that Augie may have to move to D.C. for work, so their relationship days may be numbered. This is... A fun idea that everyone typically has about seven loves in their life before finding the one, although I really wonder where that statistic comes from. But we'll just believe the narrator for the sake of this show. I think it'll be really interesting to see how Darby's love life evolves because we, at the very end of this first episode, get a glimpse at her end story of just what her life might be like. And it's always cool on shows that give you that hint of the end game or the final storyline, like how to get away with murder. You're always plotting in your head, how is Darby going to get there? What did you think of this concept? I think inherently in the concept, like you said, it's interesting to think through the fact that we're going to meet many potential loves of her life. And so we meet Augie in this first episode, and I liked him, and I liked him for her. But because of the nature of the show, you know that his presence in her life is temporary. So it's an unsettling feeling, I think in a good way, to like Augie, know you like Augie for this person on the show, and then know that he will probably not extend beyond the next episode if he is in the next episode at all. You don't want to get too attached when you know this isn't her final love. You know something is going to happen that will change things. But they successfully, in this first episode, built a sweet love story between them that felt very modern, and it felt like she was having a little Carrie Bradshaw moment. I would also say that Anna Kendrick's portrayal of this character was really good. The acting was great from the whole cast, and I feel like it was a believable love story from how they met at a party to her wanting him to text her back to them having fights about long-distance relationships. It was a very modern love. That's a different show, me too. You're right. (laughs) How about we talk about the other platonic loves in Darby's life? What did you think of her roommates? Her one roommate who had a room, (laughs) Sarah, played by Zoe Chow, was really funny. She's in what looks like a somewhat rocky relationship with Jim, played by Peter Vack. I hope that throughout the show, we get to see their relationship ebb and flow while we watch Darby on her attempts to find love. And then the person who lives in their home, but in an alcove, so not a roommate, is Mallory, played by Sasha Compare. I believe I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. I'm not sure. And she is their black friend. She is the contrarian. She is a lesbian. She also suggests to Darby, she doesn't need a man. She doesn't need someone to text her. She should go after whatever she wants. So she's there to give another opinion to counter Sarah. To be the black friend who reminds you to love yourself and then returns to her alcove. (laughs) It just, I, I feel like I'm being tough on the show and I hope that we see more of Mallory. Just as a heads up for if you watch this, the editing is wild and Mallory truly, I'm not exaggerating, MIBJ, she just pops up places. 
Yeah, Me Too missed her introduction. Missed it. And this show is another classic example of TV shows setting unrealistic expectations for New York apartments. Yes, their home is huge. Darby's room is giant. It is giant. Darby needs to share with Mallory. (laughs) (laughs) Why is Mallory in an alcove and they're in that big old home? Also, did you notice Darby's bedroom door was windows with a sheer curtain? I once toured a home that I saw on Craigslist to potentially live in with my friends. So not move in with the strangers in the home, but to take it over. And one of the rooms didn't have a door. It just had a curtain. And then that room actually also had the back door of the house. (laughs) And so it was obviously just an addition on the home that they called a room in order to get interest on Craigslist. And I will never forget the way the person was trying to justify it. They were like, you know, it's always breezy and the housemates have to come through in order to get out of the backyard. And I think something with the laundry had to do with that room, too. They were like, you're you're never alone. You always have company. (laughs) It's just like, blink three times if you need help, sir. I will get you out of here. In this day and age, privacy is overrated. And you know what you won't get in this room? Anytime alone. So that person... I didn't understand how they were existing like this, and now I get it. Everybody needs a Mallory, I guess. Let's set the Mallories free. Y'all, set the Mallories in your life free. So going back to Darby. Yes. Are you rooting for her? We see her in this first episode as being very naive to love and just learning how to have a relationship with someone else. Do you want to see her find the love of her life? You almost don't want to root for her because she has this flippant approach to life. She has this giant home inexplicably. She works at a job where she can curse at her boss and her boss's partner who are planning their wedding. She has these friends that seem to serve as strictly support systems for her. And she, I think, intentionally is mean to Augie in order to cause some separation because she's so hurt by the fact that he might have to leave for DC. But even through all of that, and I think that's why she has that Carrie Bradshaw quality to me, you sort of root for her. Anna Kendrick plays that character so well that if you encountered this person in your day to day, I think you would be almost overwhelmed by how much they need. Mm -hmm. But on the show, you can't stop looking at her. And that's that Carrie Bradshaw quality. That's what Sarah Jessica Parker was so good at because Carrie Bradshaw was so annoying. Anna Kendrick does a great job portraying Darby as an appealing person. Her performance makes you like Darby, even though, as you said, if you met Darby in real life, you probably would not put up with her to this extent. Yes. Darby is a nice person. So like any other nice person in the world, I want her to live a nice life. But I'm also not that invested in her success in love because her life seems fine as it is. That's fair. Are you invested in more episodes of Love Life on HBO Max? You know, I think I am a would watch again casually because I know how this is going to end or the direction it's going to take. I think this is a show where you can really dive in for just a few episodes at a time and just see what's the next relationship and then take a step back and jump in again. And as of this recording, only the first three episodes are out. So I believe even HBO Max doesn't see this as a binge worthy show. How do you feel? I agree. I think it is missing a little bit of the oomph 
that we had with a Carrie Bradshaw on Sex and the City, and I promise it's the last time I'll compare the two shows. <laughs> compare to what show? Can you tell me again? I made a promise and I won't break it, but it is still a fun show, and you do want to see how she ends up at that place that we were flash-forwarded to for a second toward the end of the episode. So I would watch again casually as well, and I would recommend the same to our listeners. Nice. I would also recommend our listeners head to our website to find out about more show recommendations. That's thepilotpodcast.com. And I recommend they consider subscribing to The Pilot Podcast Deep Dive, where we take a deep dive into the pilot episode of a single TV show. And you can find out more by going to join.thepilotpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can send thoughts, feelings, stories about the great loves of your life. I really want to read those to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.